friends, and welcome back to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Heidelin and beyond. And my name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hi, Levi. That was a new tagline, Jen. It was new. We spent a lot of time working on that. It's really hard, guys. After doing our first batch of episodes, and as we're hopping over to Limsa now, we think this is probably better reflective of how the first set of episodes has panned out. It's a more accurate portrayal of our subject content. Yeah, basically, we're doing a playthrough and um, doing a little bit more in-depth examination of the story as we work our way through it. Yeah, it's hard. I was expecting there to be a lot more lore diving earlier on, but there are like dry periods where there's nothing to talk about. We can't have every episode be on point for the lore content. Like this time here, going to Limsa, we're going to be hitting the history and the background and the present day of Limsa pretty hard, which is not stuff that the game gives to you straight up in the story of the game. However, next episode about Lemsa is going to be more running around, doing questing and so on. Less meat, more filler, I guess. <laughs> meat, more, um, more potatoes? Sure. Okay. Love it. <laughs> so anyway, the, the lore content is going to vary from episode to episode, and we don't want to misrepresent our shiz here. As previewed, today we're talking about Limsa Lemensa. We have begun a brand new journey into this city. We both made new characters to start out in Limsa's story. I had never started in Limsa Lemensa, so it was nice to approach Limsa as a new adventurer and then um, get a better feel for uh, a new adventurer's perspective on, on the city-state. Limsa is where the Arcanist and Marauder characters begin the game, and you can hop on the Rogue Train after 10 levels if you're so inclined. Really? Only 10? Yes. It's the first new class added to the game, so they make you jump through a few hoops before you can unlock that class. We'll we'll get more to that. I don't want to burn pod on the Rogue podcast, but there are a couple good reasons for that slight delay, in my opinion. Okay. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it we'll shank that knave i couldn't think of something right on the uh about that right away well spoilers the rogue quest is full of incomprehensible jargon great it's something else (laughs) for something i've never done it so now i'm excited but hey you know we'll cross that bridge uh limsa has a ton of bridges so there you go nice tie-in yeah who are you playing this time jen i've decided to um finally hop on the old Viera bandwagon. And I've created a, a lady Viera named Rex Manningway. And she's gorgeous. And I love her. And I want to play her forever. Um, I started her uh, as a marauder. And so far, I'm having a great time. I have made a Rogaden, a Hellsguard Rogaden, named Bismuth End. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jen, for helping me figure out a pun name there. I was trying very hard to find a marriage between the, the canonical naming convention for Rogadens. And a, a pun. I now have Bismuth End, the Marauder. <laughs> I'll give you the Bismuth End of my axe, Jen. That's, there's the joke. There it is. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> explaining the joke. Anyway, back to the topic at hand. Before we talk about the start of our journeys, let's talk about Limsa for a bit. Limsa is one of the three city-states in Eorzea where you can start the game. Unlike the other two, Limsa is located off the mainland continent of Eorzea. Specifically, 
It is in the Lanotian region of the Vilbran subcontinent in the Rotano Sea to the southwest of the main continent. Okay. Um, if I could get a chart, that would be really helpful. Long story short, it's on an island southwest of the main continent. There you go. Lots of water. That's it. Um, Lanosia is a great grassy region with open landscapes and constant ocean views. It's a very attractive region. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I love like these kind of, um, it's like the cliffs of Dover where these are like sun bleached, salt bleached, like white cliffs and deep greens and blues and rolling hills and um, beautiful rock formations. I don't know what type of rock it is, but it is, it's white and it's very pretty. And they've, well, they've, in, they've incorporated the, the stone into their structures. And it, there's almost like a seamless blend of the two. Um, and of course, the Limsa Lominsa and some of the surrounding settlements are very vertical. Um, this is a, like a Z-axis heavy area, which is a pain in the ass to navigate when you're new. It's true. Ugh. I think it's probably the hardest to get around because you can't tell if it's above or below. Oh, my God. And thankfully, the, the city has two main zones to it. One zone is lower. One zone is upper. So you can usually tell if you need to go down or up. And you can teleport there through the city if you want to. But sometimes it's still hard. Like, if you're trying to do quests in the city, there'll be, like, map markers that are below you. And you've got to figure out how to get down there. And if you don't know your way around or you don't have all the Aetherites unlocked yet, then you have to do some puzzling to figure out how to descend down. It's very embarrassing. There was a, a quest that I had to pick up in the Marauder's Guild. There was, I, I saw it on the map in the Marauder's Guild. I'm like, but, it, okay, so the, I thought that the it was glitching out for a reason. I'm standing on the quest marker. Where's I, like, my damn quest? Literally, I'm, I'm looking. I'm like, I just finished talking to the guy. So I'm guessing maybe there was some sort of lag or glitch that wasn't removing the, the blue quest marker. I looked at the map and uh, I saw, oh, I, I got it. It's out by Summerford Farms. So I go all the way out there, and of course, I don't have a chocobo. I'm just running, and it takes forever to get out there. And I, it was for a, the mist housing quest. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, god <laughs> damn it. And I look at the map again, and that little blue quest marker is still in the Marauder's Guild. I'm like, I swear to god. I go back there. I go to the room. I run around every fucking corner. I look at everybody. Where? Where? It's below you, It's Jen. below me. <laughs> fucking idiot. So Limsa is on the very southern coast of La Nocia. It's built across all these naturally occurring rock formations and reefs. And like Jen was saying, you can see the city itself growing, literally growing out of these rocky pillars into the cut stone of the upper structures. And some rooms here are actually still carved from the natural stone. So you'll be on like a floor made of cut stone, and then you'll look up and see just this natural cave ceiling above you. Yeah, just the raw carved out rock. It's very All cool. the rock is just so like bleached white uh -huh. as well, which stands out so great against the blue seas, blue sky. It's beautiful. And of course, when I went to go take our screenshot for our new characters, it was cloudy. It's always sunny in La Nocia, except for this one that, time. That when June it's... gloom, man. That marine layer will get yep. you every time. <laughs> That's fine. It's still a good shot. We got a nice fist bump in there. Word. So you can check our Twitter at Pod Return. There we go. If you a little want promo in there. Two pictures. We are engaging in social media somewhat reluctantly. Anyway, back to the city, though. Um, we should underscore that these bridges that connect the spires, they are directly above the ocean. So you look down, you see just the blue water below you. It's a little... I use the word unsettling a lot. Um, as, as someone with... with Philosophobia. It makes me nervous, you know. It, it, and some of these platforms don't have railings, which is classic. It's fucking classic Final Fantasy fourteen. Huge, wide platforms with no railings. You could just fall right off. 
The city's flag is an obsidian longboat on a blood red background. The longboat, of course, speaks to the city's pirating founders, and the crimson represents the spilled blood of lost companions. Rip. Jen, do you like pirates? I am, uh, I guess, neutral on pirates. I've, I've never, like, I've, I've seen the one Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I've never been enamored by piratey lore. It's fine. It's, it's neither here nor there for me. One, I've never really liked being on the ocean. I've never been a boat person or a ship person. And, you know, that's just not for me. I'm a, like, I'm, I'm a desert person. I had a period where I liked pirates as a fictional concept, as in pirates in fiction. Yeah. Just to clarify, I know pirates are real. <laughs> but at this point in my life, I'm kind of over that, especially anything that romanticizes crime <laughs> is a bit of a stretch right now for my credulity. Thieves' Honor and Brotherhood of Pirates or so on. I don't know. It, it just doesn't do it for me. It, it yeah. feels like it's kind of putting a soft point on some real brutal and nasty business. 100%. Yeah. There's like a Disneyfication of that whole quote-unquote profession. These people were, were ruthless, murdering thieves. Kind of it puts a very soft touch on the whole pirating city here. Not counting for the hundreds if not thousands of lives ruined and lost and so on from their history but but now they're they're all cool they're trying they're getting there the, the whole concept of like a pirate city doesn't do it for me so i i like right. limsa i like some of the characters here but i just have to kind of squint past the pirating aspects of it to not be too jaded about this whole experience yeah i, I don't like considering it like pirate town because that's not what it is and it's doing the admiral a disservice you know, all the work that she's put in to, to redirect that ship. Nice. Get it? Cause I get it. Because she's redirecting the city yeah. like a ship. And yeah. she was a captain. Yeah. Joke Explainer will return in a minute. I, I don't love the Lumsden music either, honestly. I, I like the Lanosian area music a lot. Mm-hmm. But Limsa, I find it to be pretty boring. It's it's certainly um, thematic. I, I think it's it, it sounds correct, you know, and it's it's well done that way. But again, it's just like this whole the seafaring aesthetic. Um, it's never been like a big thing for me, so I'm like, you know, it doesn't hit me in the in the soul like some of the other music does. Anyway, enough bagging on Limsa. Now for some. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're like, it's so beautiful. And then it's 15 minutes of us having problems with the reason it exists. So the majority population in Limsa are the Sea Wolf Rogaden, who we'll talk about next time because this is going to be a very lore-heavy episode. Yeah, and we're, I'm just going to disclaimer this. Our pronunciations of these names will be all over the place. We're going to do our best. These names are, are really, there's there are too many consonants in a row and not enough vowels. We're, we're going to do our best. Uh, anyway, though, Long story short, the sea wolves are generally aquatic, toned, skinned, big, beefy guys. Yep. The patron deity of Limsa is Lim Lane, the navigator. She's, of course, one of the 12 deities of Eorzea. She commands the wind and is often depicted as a fisherwoman wielding a harpoon. Her symbol is the wave. Believers in Limsa make a pilgrimage to the mark of the navigator before setting sail and on return from their journeys as a blessing, but there is actually no formal church or similar in Limsa to Limlane. It's more of like an individual worship than a communal worship. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a um, Protestant approach to your relationship with God. 
um, your relationship with Lim Lane is is uh, private and personal. Yep. The city's trades are unsurprisingly maritime. This includes shipbuilding, fishing, and shipping. Also piracy. Also piracy. Today in Limsa, piracy is forbidden except against imperial targets, which technically makes it more privateering than piracy. Right. It's, it's more like a um, kind of a standing, I guess, army. I'm talking more about pri- privateering is when a, a nation will allow ships to target certain enemy vessels only. So essentially they're like freelancing, a freelancing navy versus the official navy. Is that maybe counterproductive to the admiral's attempts at getting Limsalomensa away from from piracy as a, a source of income this or a is, way of life? It's a stopgap measure. Like one, the empire is officially the enemy of Limsa. Yeah. This serves their ends and the ends of Eorzea in general. All right. So and, it's, it, it's like a necessary evil. Well, not only that, but also the, the pirates did not take kindly towards the no more piracy law. Of course. So this is a bone thrown to them saying, hey, you can do piracy stuff only against these targets. Okay. We also see a lot of plots in Lemsa that involve illicit piracy with the older guard who do not want to give up their old life and they just do pirating in general. And there's a lot of friction between that group and the, the new establishment. Beyond the maritime trades, we also have metalworking as a large practice here in Limsa. Lenosia is very rich in minerals, though a lot of it is where the kobolds hang out. And we find both the blacksmith and armorer's guilds in Limsa Lamensa. Shipbuilding and axe building. And of course, there's also a lot of farming. Lenosia is, has very rich soils, and we have vineyards here. We'll get to wine pour in a fair bit of time. It's like a level 30 plus area, I think. That sounds correct. It's pretty late. And finally, the culinary arts are in vogue in Limsa. Uh, Recipes and ingredients from all over the world pass through here. And the restaurant known as the Bismarck is world famous. Sure is. It's got a hell of a view. As do most places. Uh, This is true. (laughs) So the present done, let's look back at the past, Jen. Let's let's get up in them guts. Limsa goes all the way back to the Seawolf founders who first arrived in Eorzea as they fled from a tyrannical leader in their homeland in the Northern Empty. There was some sort of rebellion from which only the ship Gladian survived uh, on the rebel side. As in, in the in- sure. insurrectionists. So yeah, the people escaping. Yeah, they, they failed in the rebellion. Then the only surviving ship escaped from their homeland, carrying the future founders of Limsa. Okay. After a harrowing journey, she ran aground in Vilbrand. Hey. After confirming the region was fertile, Admiral Elowain. <laughs> Elowain? <laughs> Elowain? That sounds right. Elowain. Old Admiral Elevane declared that this would be their new home and dubbed the region Lanosia. This is named after a crew member that died of scurvy two days before they made landfall. I mean, what a legacy. I've always wondered, you know, just the naming conventions for most locations in, in the game, they, ha- they all have to come from somewhere. But the, the, uh, the etymology of Lanosia in particular, never knew. So it's some, some poor guy that didn't eat his oranges. Obviously, you're not going to get a lot of vitamin C from Kakirns. Nope. I'm sure their Kakirn crew members were long in the pot. It's so fucked up. <laughs> anyway, this was this was centuries and centuries and centuries ago. Not long after arriving, the settlers ran afoul of the local kobold tribes. What is a kobold? They're definitely, they're strongly rodent-like. Definitely more so than the Kakirns. Um, I'd call them a cross between a squirrel and a rat. 
Yeah, they have kind of a, a fluffy, squirrelish tail, but it's still thin. It's they like have, a bottle brush. It'd be like yeah. bristly to yeah. feel, I'm sure. Um, they have very um, like short, fat, stubby snouts, huge ears. It's hard to get a, a bead on on really what they look like because they're always shrouded in um, armor. They're and they're big helmets. Yeah, so their faces look just you know like the helmet face, but you get you can see their their whiskers and their little their beady little eyes. They have really long toes and fingers and long claws yep. that click clack. I find them really adorable. It, surprise. I, <laughs> apparently every beast tribe, I'm like, they're so cute. But I really have a soft spot for kobolds, I think. These are our native peoples to Vilbrand, at least as far as we know. I'm sure they came here from somewhere else long ago, but this sure. was the, the native population that our, our surviving Rogadin came Mayflower, in. The Mayflower, yeah. Yes, and, and stepped on. So the kobolds attack, and they chase the settlers back onto their wrecked ship. The settlers begin to fortify the area around their ship, and they they dig in and build up and carve out these ocean spires here. And this is the future Olimsa. At what cost? But yeah, such is human history. Humanoid history. And the early days here were very dark. The Olimsans could not take advantage of the bounty of the land because the kobolds were there. And instead, they eked a living as sailors and as pirates. However, their fortunes began to turn with the creation of the military, which was called the Knights of the Barracuda. Um, the land forces of this military, who were called the, the Yellow Jackets, began to raid the kobolds and take back the mainland for the Limpsons. Um, you said Barracuda wrong. It's Barracuda. No, that's how... That's how I, I, I got you. I got okay, you. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> And part of the land seized by the Yellow Jackets were these rich and dense forests, which they quickly turned into logging camps. And with this fresh supply of wood, they built out their navy. They went from having these you know, few ships in their navy to having a fresh supply, a fresh influx of new vessels. And with this, they began to actually raid and pirate in full. With the fresh bounty of these ill-gotten gains from merchants passing through the Rotano Sea and mainland Eorzea, the city went from being very poor to being very rich with all these plundered goods. And they swelled their population too because they pressed the survivors of their attacks into service. Again, like, yep. You might recall, Jen, that the plains folk Lalafell came here voluntarily. They sailed over here in their their own like little... Um, Baby boats? Their little, just... their little uh, play school toot toots, little tykes? It's a, a certain ship type, which is like <laughs> two canoes with a deck spanning between them. Oh, catamaran? Yes, thank you. That's the name. Nice lingo, Jin. Uh, you're welcome. Anyway, they sailed on these catamarans to Limsa and began to trade with the Limsons. And eventually, they actually settled in Limsa, and they are the second biggest population in the city, I believe, after the Rogadin. They manage the, uh, the Fisherman's Guild, which is actually a tremendous source of... Um, uh, trade and foodstuffs uh, for the Limson economy, even though the uh, the guildmaster is somewhat absent and definitely a dirty old man. Can't get away from these guys. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. It makes me it makes me actually curious uh, about when the devs are creating these characters. If they're like, is that is that too much of a of a lecherous asshole? Is he being too much of a filthy filthy creep? No, it's fine. <laughs> Where do they draw the line? It, uh, when I, anyway. Anyway, as the city's fortunes grew, so did its internal strife. 
generations later, the many pirate crews began to squabble amongst one another as they fought over territory and plunder. And this deadly infighting continued for 20 years, give or take, where they would fight each other in Lemsa and on the seas over, over their, their bounty. Jeez. <laughs> and this was stopped, though, by a pirate known as Agatzar Rose Merslin. I feel like that's maybe close. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Agatzar Rose Merslin. These are not comfortable spellings. They are super not. We're out of our depth here. Maybe if we were Norwegian, it would be easier. This is why the Hellsgard names are easier. I can be, I can say big rock, no yeah. problem. Morning dew, torrid whisper. Anyway, Agatzar took over admiralship of the city, and he brought the strongest crews together for a, a big meeting. And he hammered out a solution to all this infighting that essentially manifested as the Limson Code of Conduct. No crew will cheat another of its plunder, nor rob a fellow Limson, nor sell fellow men into slavery. No Shanghaiin. In the city. They can do whatever they want to <laughs> outside the city. Right. The sea is, is a lawless place. What happens on the sea stays on the sea. So this is a internal code of conduct from the city. This is the force from the ground up. It's not the admiral and his flunkies saying, do what we, we tell you. This has buy-in from the very ground up, from every element's in. So even in back alleys and seedy taverns and all other places of ill repute, the people will, if they see people breaking the code, be like, uh-uh, that's not what we do here. Uh-uh-uh. However, to enforce the code, a shadowy organization known as the Upright Thieves was created. This is a shadow group of enforcers that is outside the law, but enforces the law. The law being the code. Is this a vigilante group? This is like not, this is not condoned or... This group was created by the Admiral as part of this pact that was made, but they are now self-governing. So yes and no. They are officially created. However, they're also enforce their own rules and they take justice into their own hands. So if they deem that a pirate has fallen out of line with the code, they will enact their own version of street justice against them. And this actually, this is the rogue questline right here, being part of this group. So we'll learn a lot more about them during the rogue episode. That's interesting. And I'm, I'm, I'm struggling actually to find a, a suitable parallel in our own like law enforcement structure because it's sanctioned by the government. It was created by the government. Yet it's like extra government? That's correct. And there's actually friction between them and the Yellow Jackets, who are the police force today. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's already like a... That's interesting. Do they, do, who watches The Watchmen? You'd have to go into the depths of the conspiracy theory files to probably find a parallel. It's just very in, interesting. In real life. Yeah, and I can see how there would be some ill content between the two. Fighting over jurisdiction constantly... It's, it's a detective show. Well, I'm glad I wet your thirst for the Rogue episode coming up soon. In more ways than one. <laughs> so let's talk about the Limson leadership now. Every seven years, there is a ritual conducted to choose a new admiral for the city. And this is a competition known as the Trident. It's a multi-pronged race, the winner of which becomes the admiral for seven years. I'm sure this race has all sorts of hijinks and like match fixing and sabotage and baked into it as these dishonorable pirates oh, yeah. compete for admiralship. The strongest and the shrewdest survive. Yes. And the luckiest, all these things. Either way, though, the one that, that wins and survives all these things is now admiral. Jen, how do you feel about this as a system of government? Um, well, uh, I'd say the term seems 
a little on the long side, um, but I don't know what the lifespan is of a, of a Rogaden. We know Elizins live for quite a long time. So is, is, you know, is seven years reasonable? You know, is, is the average lifespan like 150 years? I'll, I'll double check the age when we do our Rogaden feature. But this is just one term. There's no term limit or whatever for admirals. You can have the same oh, sure. admiral winning yeah. again and again. Well, I guess then, you know, what you said it's multi-pronged. What are the prongs? Is there is there public speaking involved? Is there? It's all a race. So think about like a relay race or whatever. Probably a literal race. Yes, it's a literal race. As in, they get in their boats, and they they set like some sort of course for these ships to follow. This seems inappropriate. Fair. I, <laughs> yeah, there's there's no test on on statesmanship or diplomacy. Uh, being able to enact policies or well, or create you know. Viable policies. What do you say to this being a test of all those things? As the prospective admiral needs to marshal their crew, fix the stakes, and command their crew successfully through this, I'm sure, harrowing challenge to come out on top. So we have. I mean, there's some validity there. Yes. Leadership. You know, I mean, in a, in a skills, very in a, at a very nanoscale compared to what it is that they will be doing in the admiral ship. The exact same thing, but on a bigger sail. They will captain the ship of the city. You said sail instead of scale, and that's a pretty great... <laughs> Thank you. Mm, yeah. I, I'm with you, honestly. That Obviously, this is not the best way to pick a leader who is the best for the city. It's fun. It's fun. And also, I think this might be the only way that the Limpsons would accept a leader, too. They have to impress Fair. their fellow pirates of their skill. And I think this probably holds more yeah, weight. This, this speaks to their value system, I suppose. Yep. Um, until such time as they maybe revamp this whole contest situation. But um, we, you know, whatever. We got lucky because the Admiral that is currently in charge of Limsa is um, fantastic, in my opinion. Yes. Said Admiral took the position in the year 1563. Her name is Merylvib. Merylvib. Um, Blursven, I think. That's fantastic. Thank you, Jen. You're welcome. It's like a B-L-O-E-S-W-H-Y-N sort of situation. You missed a few consonants there. I, of course but I did. <laughs> pretty much. Anyway, this is our current leader of the city. And as was hinted at beforehand, after taking power, she declared piracy to be illegal. I... Declare piracy to be illegal. And this, of course, causes an uproar amongst the population. And it's only through shrewd negotiations and, frankly, straight up violence as well. Yeah, no, she will slap you down. She will slap you down with her pistol and down, I mean, into the grave. She's, she's got double pistols, doesn't she? Yes. Uh, and there's, <laughs> there's a name for them, too. Death penalty and annihilator. Oh, <laughs> that's right. It's like naming your testicles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That is our history and present day of Limsa. Yeah, we're all caught up. So let's begin our journey into the city. So this is all going to sound very familiar. We... Awaken. Right. I, I guess as a caveat here, first off, the cycle of this quest is very similar to the cycle in Uldah and will be also similar to that of Gridania too. Yeah. So we're not going to go into the same detail of everything as we did for Uldah because we talked about that already. Yeah. We so, know when Aetherite is. If you don't, go back to episode number one and check out that segment. Check it out. 
Um, but but yeah, you're a new adventurer. You uh, we're on a ship this time, and we're getting um, there's a, another merchant dude that looks like the twin brother of the other merchant dude. We open with the same cutscene as beforehand with the figure, the dark figure we now know to be an Asian. So you're in the ethereal oh, that, sea. That sort of opening, yeah. So after the character creation, yeah, same shit. It's worth noting that we can recognize that the Asian, he's got the same red mask with the fangs on it as does the one in that flashback to the Battle of Cartano. Yeah. So we, we know that there's a through line from there to the present day because we see this exact same mask in place. So that is a worthwhile connection. Anyway, though, we, we hear, feel, think. We wake up again and see a merchant, as you were saying, Jen. Mm-hmm. Um, tan, leathery skin, blonde hair. Blue eyes. Uh, his name is Brennan. He's like, hey, what's up? This is the brother to Brent from the Chocobo cart in the Ulda intro. I wonder what the third guy's name is going to be. Brendan? Brenton? Whatever. Anyway, Gladwick. so we're... That's kind of great. Um, so anyway, we're on, a, we're on a ship, and he's like, hey, let's go up on deck, get some fresh air. We get a cameo again from these two Ellison twins. twins. It looks like they're seasick a little bit because they're awake, but they're also not very happy looking. But on the cart, they simply looked like they were ignoring everybody. But on the ship, it legitimately looked like they were asleep. Brennan spends less time bagging on them than Brind did in the Ulda intro. I think it's because the ship is huge. And before you're on a tiny little cart, you, you can't just like have 20 feet of space between you and the next guy where that is a you know, plausible deniability for socializing. So we go up on deck. Huzzah. Shortly, we are accosted by three big-ass pirate ships. They're shooting cannons at us. And uh, the crew is just, everybody get below decks. Get fucking below decks. So we do. We're waiting there for probably, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour. And the dude come. everybody's very worried, obviously. But um, guy comes down, probably the first mate or something. And he's like, all right, we're in the clear. Uh, this ship is fast as fuck. We're outrunning him. We're beyond uh, cannon range. So we're good to go. Like, okay, great. Crisis averted. Um, a little a little different, obviously, than the um, planting of illicit drugs and uh, subsequent accusation of, of, of smuggling from the brass blades and Ula. So yeah. We arrive in Limsa Lominsa, and there's a switch over as we... I, I kind of really liked this. When you exit the ship, your character is... You know, the, the, the scenery is is pretty incredible. And there's this, you know, this smile that slowly spreads over your face. Like, you know, I'm here the, in the first day of the rest of my life. Then the narrator starts, and he references... He's like, you know, the, the new adventurer steps on... Um, Lenosian soil for the first time, and Limlayan turns her gaze. So Limlayan is actually... Yeah, it's very weird. I noted that too, because this is the first time I can recall a, a narrator, as in a presumably objective third party, he gives kind of um, personality and intent to one of the 12, which just doesn't happen in this game. No, it, it felt... It felt special to me. It actually, it feels to me like an artifact of an earlier version of the game than the one we know now. Because unless it happens in the Limsa quest line, I can't see how this Limlayan having her attention on us is going to pay off at all. It's going to drop off after level 15. Right. And we'll never have that hint pay off like for a, us. Like a direct kind of metaphysical interaction with one of the 12. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no uh, indication going forward that uh, any of the 12 are looking upon us or guiding our fate or showing any interest in our fate. Uh, when we showed up in, in Ulda, I don't think there was any sort of, you know, Nalthal tips their cap at the new adventurer. There's nothing like that. Yep. So I, I thought this was very cool. And 
you know, despite uh, Limsa Lominsa basically kind of having a little bit more of a, I don't know, pagan structure or more, it's more of a secular vibe. Um, the fact that they made a point to say this in the beginning narration is, was interesting. I, I thought it was nice. I liked the flavor. I, I felt, felt special. So now you are we're special, Jen. Oh, thank you. You're special too. Thank you, Jen. I don't, your tone of voice says otherwise. You're so special. Oh my God. <laughs> Anyway, so now we're in Limsa Limonso and we can begin our, our career. We start off in an instance version of the city, like in Ulda, and this is right by this is right in the Aetherite Plaza. And if you've <laughs> played the game beforehand, you know that Limsa is ground zero for players hanging out. This is where all of your AFKers and ERPs uh, ERPers and uh, I don't know, C and B Cners all hang out. Exactly. This place is full of player characters shenanigans all the time. but right now there is no one here besides a couple npcs there's it at is... least four competing bards plinking away in their their midi sound tones at some awful unrecognizable rendition of danger zone by kenny loggins or something <laughs> um it's it's quite a spectacle so to to walk through this plaza with no other pcs around is spooky would you not agree I do agree. Okay. I just made the point. Wouldn't you agree, Jen? <laughs> I agree. Do you agree? Do you concur? I concur. I concur. We concur. I should have concurred. <laughs> gotcha. Anyway, we, we get accosted by a yellow jacket immediately. Accosted? This, yeah. I didn't he, find him to be very accosting. He trash talks us. What does he at say? First. He, he's like, look at you fresh off the boat, little, like, little wharf rat. Remember that, he, or at least if he did say that, I did not take offense. So I I'm like, offense. You, you fucking called it. He's I am got, fresh off the boat. It's the tone, it's, it's the intent to belittle you and put him in the superior position. I suppose, but I mean, it's not a lie. It's not a lie. Like, but we're, you we're can fresh. Be nice. Please help me. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. Help me, man. And that's what he's doing. What a nice guy. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I do not think the yellow jackets are nice guys. Though you might recognize their name from Limsa's history, where they were the land forces. They are now just like the police in Limsa and yeah. Lanosia. They are separate now from the actual military. Yes. And these guys all have their little pot helms on and their open-chested yellow shirts. It's definitely a piratey blouse. Yes. They're not as bad as the brass blades, but they're also not great, as we'll see in just a minute. Anyway, this guy tells us to go and uh, check in at the Drowning Winch which is where the Adventurer's Guild in Limsa is located. So we do so. We're still in this solo instance, and we head into this big spire here, into the Bulwark Hall. It's got a vast natural stone ceiling and arches of cut stone leading into it from all four directions, and this big lift leading up and down it made of wood and metal. Yep, there are, are I think, a couple of lifts, but it's, it's essentially like the big crossroads in, in Limsa. And there are banners all over that are hanging down from above with this obsidian ship on the crimson field. So we head up the lift and head to the Drowning Wench. And the proprietor of the Drowning Wench and the, uh, the guild master of the Adventurer's Guild is a man named Baderon Ten Fingers. Just to set our, our scene here, the winch, I think one critique for Lemsa is that the spaces are not very distinct internally. Like almost every space you can access is open air, as in like there are just big openings going from the side and they have like these natural stone ceilings and they all have some combination of like wood floor or cut stone floor. Not much to differentiate it internally visually. 
I mean, honestly, the footprint looks almost looks exactly the same as uh, the quicksand in Ulda. It's it's like a rotunda, um, where you have the innkeeper and then the uh, guildmasters or the proprietor's area, and it kind of goes around. There's a seating area. There's the leave meat guy. It's very similar. Yep. So we meet Baderon. Baderon Ten Fingers, which is kind of a um, hey, like fuck you to all you other people who have lost fingers. I still have mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this guy looks like he's straight up. Uh, he could be he could be a member of any new metal band from the late '90s. <laughs> Maybe the lead singer of Static X. That's that's what he looks like. He's a bit of a softcore pirate. He's got his exposed chest and his shirt, and he, but his beard though is very modern. Chin strap. Sure. It's a chin strap. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. He's got his bandana on too. He looks kind of the part, but he's also distinct a little bit. He looks friendly though. Total chum. He's good dad to everyone. Yeah. Beater on daddy. Oh my god. <laughs> Baby daddy. No. Because <laughs> it's mommy Mamodi. Mamodi mommy. Beater on daddy. We don't have to make We're them... doing it. We're doing it. I don't know what I'm going to do in Verdania, <laughs> but this is the convention now. Moving on. So as we're speaking with Beater on, he's like, welcome. Uh, he speaks like Eliza Doolittle. He, he drops all of his H's. Uh, what's, what's, what's the sentence? It's uh, the most hospitable of hostelries. That's it. All right. There we go. Nailed it. It's kind of hard to read with so many apostrophes. That's true of, of most lumps in speech. Yeah. I, it's kind of a chore to it's just It's parse out of control. It. It's, it's hard flavorful. work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate, you know, this, this is just another level of immersion. Obviously, we're, we're talking about pirates here. But uh, he warns us about, you know, some of the things in, in Limsa Lumensa and uh, the, the neighboring areas. We got, we got the kobolds. We got the fishbacks. We got, uh, well, we got pirates. Last point on Baderon is he is a former sellsword who retired. Living out his days, setting up youngins like us. It's with... the archetypal adventurer's dream where you buy a tavern yeah, and run Yeah, you hang it. up your sword and you go open up a tavern, which is kind of like how I wanted my character arc to be in our last torchbearer campaign (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to adventure anymore i just want to brew beer um it did not work out so um like momodi did he he talks a little bit about the calamity and um how the community is trying to uh rally with their the loss of their memories um cloudy recollections about um again these this band of heroes that neither nobody can remember their names nobody can remember their faces how convenient but uh he's you know, he's glad for uh, the spate of new adventurers. That's why he loves what he does. Um, so he can create a new band of heroes that will uh, carry Limsa and, uh, you know, Eorza as a whole into, into the future uh, with, with hope and confidence. So nice, nice guy. And as we finish signing our name on the Adventurers Guild registry, a gang of Yellow Jackets storms in and they're trying to pin the blame for the pirate attack on us. It's, it's a fucking stretch. We went up from below decks to above decks a little bit before the pirates attack. Therefore, we were signaling we, them. We were signaling them, yes. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Honestly, I'm mad at my character for not giving them what for in this moment because that's fucking stupid. I, I don't think that would be a, a good call. You don't want to <sighs> No, it wouldn't. Fight. You know, if this were, again, like a Torchbearer campaign, my, my character would have mouthed off and it, there would have been consequences. But fortunately, Baderon has our back here. He's like, this is my grandma's sister's niece's cousin's close personal friend. I tried to do the math on what that would end up being. I, I think it's like a second cousin third remove, or something like that. I don't know. And this works, though. They're like, oh, okay. So if Baderon says that, that you're related, I think, 
then you're like, legit. Yeah, sorry about that, but... Um, but watch out for this kidnapper. We, we've got a, just a spate of kidnappings going around town, and we're basically looking for any sort of scapegoat, is what they're not saying. But yeah, we were just a convenient uh, you know, stranger to town, and they could trump up some charges. Yes. And then Baderon gives them a round of free grog to get them off our backs and just to go their own way. He knows way. how to play the game. He does. Yeah. Next up, we get the same exact tutorial as Uldah. We're going to go and attune to the main Aetherite. We're going to get the lowdown on the market, and we're going to go see our class quest guildmaster. Yep, so either uh, Arcanist or uh, Marauder. Yes, and we're both playing Marauders here. So we're going to go over to the Marauders Guild, which is also the Yellow Jacket HQ. That explains why there's like three receptionists in there. <laughs> um I do want to say, though, the receptionist for the uh, Marauders Guild, she sits in such a way that, like, it pisses me off. It's such an annoying way to sit. She She's, like, crouching in her chair, but also, like, kind of leaning over and sideways, and she's got to, like, crook her neck up. To, so she's she's crouched down. She's a rogaden, crouching herself down and keening her neck. It's, it's like... This is not a professional way to sit at a desk if you're the receptionist for the guild. She's a this goddamn is, pirate. She I, does what well, she wants. Well, that's kind of it. Like if you were if you were at the tavern and trying to like look menacing or like you just got off of a, a you know a, a pirating mission. I don't know what the fuck they would call it. Then yes, that posture would be a correct. You know, like she's nursing her ale, um, but she sits like this the whole time she's talking to you, and it's really frustrating. That's it's a, a power lot. move. That's, She's flexing I, on you. I, I guess. I don't know. I'm like, that can't be comfortable. You're sitting this way eight hours a day. It worked. Got you riled up. Uh, I fell for it. Receptionist one, gin nothing. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Quick compare and contrast here from the Uldah segment. We go attuned to the Aetherite, which we just saw in that main plaza. Now we're out of the instance, so it's full of people. I'm sure it's wild for a new player to walk up there and see these, like, half-dressed Vieras doing the, their dancey dance the bee's and so knees. on. Insane. Everyone loves that bee's knees. They really do. This is where you go to server travel if you want to go and like check prices on other servers or whatever because the market is right next to the main Aetherite. So you, you can pop into the other server's Limsa and then go up the market alley, check the market board or whatever. So when I do this, if I'm trying to make a big purchase and trying to find a better price, every server has their own people doing gimmicks People will make alt characters and dress them the same way and pose them the same way and just have these different scenes that you encounter upon appearance. So sometimes you'll, you'll go and see like a row of Seblgar wearing Rogaden just doing nothing but like with hands on hips guarding the entrance to the, the market alley. Mm-hmm. Oh, the glams these people have. Is, yeah. They're so fun. Um, I think yesterday I saw two people at, um, at the marketplace in Limsa. They were basically dressed like Wonder Woman and they had their, you know, their glowing weapons and stuff. And they were just parked there looking like Wonder Woman. Yep. I was like, that's fun. It is. <laughs> People just have these personal conversations in, in say chat. It blows my mind that they want to do this in public. Yeah, kids these days. That's what you said in the lift like 20 times last night. Did I? Yes, you did. Well, you didn't say anything. So I had to carry the conversation. After a certain point, it felt awkward to say something. I feel like I'm intruding. This guy is trash talking people who don't talk. He's like, oh, great. Now it's me. Oh, my God. I'm serious. This guy's like, some people just don't know how to have a conversation these days. And I'm sitting there. It's like, (laughs) what the fuck? (laughs) Dude, I'm right here. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. 
after a certain point, it felt like I would be intruding to say something because mm. you two have your little banter going on. I guess. Naked in plain sight there. <laughs> anyway. Uh... Uh, anyway, so we attuned to the Aetherite in um, the Lemsa Plaza, and this time a guard comes up to us like an Ulda. Unlike, though, in Ulda, where we get the, the brass blade treatment of, hey, it's going to be like 10,000 gil or 100,000, whatever it was. It was 100,000. To- to pay for the Aetherite fee, this guy just comes up and, and mansplains Aetherites to us. Just yeah. walks up. This is an Aetherite. You use it to teleport around. It's a good time. You should do it. It's smart. Thanks, guy. All right. Thanks for Sounds the... Sounds good. All, no personality. All just talking at you. Yeah. Pretty much. Makes you appreciate the little, the little joke in the, in the old... Uh, it does. The little, little, more like a prank, yeah. Yep. And then we go to Hawker's Alley just down the street, which is... This kind of like a, a it's a bridge between two towers that's all covered and just lined with market stalls, and we talk to Svo's Blate and give him his octant, which he left at the drowning wench, and then he gives us a little run through. Here's all the market stalls, blah blah blah, and that's it. That's the story. Pretty Everybody much. here that we have to talk to just to familiarize ourselves with the city. They're so much more generous with their time and their advice than the people in Ulda who make it very clear that. Um, you're not paying me, so I'm going to keep this as short as fucking possible. It's less rude, but at the same time, I don't feel like I felt character in this interaction. It, it's more, yeah, I think that's more, the, the, I guess, the trade-off. Yep. Yeah. It, it could have been something to sell the Limsa flavor more, I think would be the way to do it. Just what they to, needed is more apostrophes in their dialogue. There we go. Yeah. So we wrap our errands up. We, we talk to our guildmaster and get our first class quest, and then we go back to see... Baderon. That's basically it, right? Yep. Yeah. Done deal. And he gives us our first real job. You go see my bud at the Semmerford Farms. This is a, um, a, a farm outside the city that employs former pirates. And it seems like they're shorthanded. So we're going to go head out there and meet with Stalewern, the owner, and see what the deal is. Is there a W in that? Oh, excuse me. Stalewern. <laughs> God, why did it have to be so hard? Anyway, yeah, that's that's the end of that. Just our American unacculturation going on here. Yeah, we're we're simple folk. This is based off a real language, but yes. you know we we're not briefed in it, so every it is non-dramatic, and so it's it's fucking with our little heads. But yeah, so that's where we're gonna we're gonna end that, and we'll pick up that uh, outside Limsa activity in a couple weeks. And next time, we'll be talking about the Arcanist class. Woo! Fun class. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Pod Return to the Making Sands. Thanks for listening. And if you want to drop us a line or tweet at us, uh, you can do so at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com or on Twitter at PodRetum. And uh, we'll see you next time.